Okay, as always, praise God for his faithfulness. I am excited about this message. If I'm ever not, let me know, because I should take a seat and someone else should be up here. If there's no overflow, you shouldn't go. I feel a sensing, a stirring of the spirit right now, and that's where this message is coming from. As we were praying on it, as we always do, we do our best to say, Holy Spirit, where are you leading, guiding, and directing this precious flock of the Elevation family? And I felt like I saw a trend that was unintentional, a, a common theme over the last four or five messages as we have co uh, covered corporate worship. Don gave a message on that. Then Khalid gave a message on that. And then we talked about practicing prophetic words, prophecy in community, which is just hearing God's voice on behalf of others to share those words that lift up, build up, and encourage. And then last week, I taught that message about engaging God's word through the immersion and expectation, and we practiced that together in community, including our middle schoolers and high schoolers. And for those of you who are here, there was just definitely a, a tangible sense of how beautiful and powerful that can be. It was fun. And hearing from the, the, the mouths of babes, so to speak, to see God giving revelation at even such a young age. All of those things, as I was praying this week and kind of listening, there was a common element. And it's interesting that God, God, interesting that Dawn used that word for revival. She's connected to God. She is not. Uh, she mentioned revival, and that's always our hearts. That is the heart of God. And so we always want to believe and fight for and and declare that that is God's heart. His heart is abundance. That's Psalm 66, 12. It's Psalm or John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life abundantly. It's a picture of revival. And I felt like the common element in all of these messages in the last four or five weeks that the Holy Spirit is stirring and there's a common element in revival and it's you. It's you. It's you activated and engaged in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 talks about that. It's talked about a lot of places in the Bible. But what came to mind was that verse 16 where it says, As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that context, that chapter talks about actually the, the growing is up until the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. It's this amazing, abundant picture of becoming more like Jesus through you through one another. The ESV translates that scripture saying this, when each part of, the, of a local body is working properly, 
That makes the body grow. So it builds itself up in love and ultimately becomes more like Christ. When each part is working properly, I felt like there was something on that. I had to study, had to meditate on it, had to ponder it. And sure enough, that word properly is so interesting. It is the word in the Greek metron, and it means a measure. Like you are able to measure something. You're able to quantify something tangible. When each part, metron, when each part is bringing something tangible, measurable to share with one another, that's when we grow to be like Christ. For the body of Christ to grow and be built up to be more like Christ, each part has a responsibility and privilege to bring something measurable to share with one another. This doesn't have to be overwhelming. All you need to build someone up to bring something tangible, to bring that metron to share, all you need is one drop of overflow. And I want to talk about the Word this morning. Coming back to the Word of God. As one way, one very important way to have tangible, measurable overflow to share with one another. To build each other up. This picture is painted in 1 Corinthians 14.26. As Paul says, what then, brothers and sisters? It's brethren, plural, male and female included, brethren. What then, brethren, when you come together? So he's talking about the atmosphere of gathering. As believers, when you come together, let each one have a hymn, a song, a, a word, a lesson, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. So, the picture is, when the body of Christ gathers together in various settings, what does it say? Each one person has a, a metron, a measurable, tangible contribution to make, to build someone else up. A song, a lesson from the word, or a revelation. Here's what's really cool. Interestingly, those are the three topics of messages that we've had in the last few weeks completely unintentionally. A song is worship overflowing out of you. Hey, let's worship the Lord together. Here's a song that I've been worshiping Jesus to. A lesson, a word, a teaching, meaning out of the overflow of your time in the word, something that's blessed you and got you fired up, you want to share it to encourage and build up others and lastly, a revelation or interpretation that is prophecy in community where you have a revelation, a word from God to share that lifts up, builds up, and comforts. So that was kind of fun. 
because that was unintentional, but it's right there in the word, as those are key elements that you are supposed to bring to the community on a regular basis to work properly, to have that metron, that measurable something to share that encourages and builds up others. And I want to focus on the word this morning. The picture that's painted here in 1 Corinthians 14 is simple overflow. Simple overflow. You bring it because it's the simple overflow of your life. You've got an encouraging word to share. You've got a revelation. You've got a song to sing. Specifically on the word, I want to dial in on that for the next 15, 20 minutes. Psalm 1 paints a beautiful picture of the naturally occurring overflow that happens when you are intentional to engage God's word. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now pause for a quick second. The law of the Lord is an Old Testament phrase that is describing the word of God. So don't get tripped up in, oh, I'm just looking at the law portion and not at the grace portion. No, that's a phrase in the Old Testament that is meant to be comprehensive, meaning God's revealed word. So let's read it again. Blessed is the one who, whose delight is in the word of God. And on God's law, he meditates day and night. He is like the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. This is where that healthy, holy imagination comes in. There's a picture painted that God wants you to engage with. You are that tree. The roots of your soul, when you study, meditate on God's word, shoot down into the streams of living water so that you become a supernatural tree whose leaves do not wither, who produces fruit in all seasons. And this, one of my favorite phrases in the entire Bible, how can you not love this? In all he does, he prospers. If you want to prosper in all you do, engage the word of God daily to where you are meditating on, pondering, chewing on some aspect of the beautiful good news of truth from God's word day and night. It's it's in your heart, it's in your mind, it's in your spirit, and that is shooting down roots into the Holy Spirit who will then produce a natural overflow. As the roots shoot down, I believe that's our part. We shoot those roots down by meditating on the word, and it touches the Holy Spirit, and, and then the Holy Spirit's like, and I got you from here. I will produce the fruit. I will make your leaves so strong they don't wither no matter the scorching heat. I will make you prosper in all you do. Your job, your privilege, your responsibility is to be one who delights in the word of the Lord and chooses to meditate on the word of God day and night.
I'll take care of your overflow. What a promise. It's like, do you want to prosper in all you do? Like what fool says no, right? Of course, that's like the essence of the cry of the human soul. I want to be fruitful and prosperous in everything I do. No one, unless you're having a really, really bad time, does stuff and says, man, I hope this is an utter failure. <laughs> we want to prosper in all that we do. Talk about overflow. Yielding fruit in its season, leaves not withering, prospering on all you do. What's the secret? Delight in and meditate on the word of God day and night. This is for everyone. Not just the pastors or the priests. God's people. Blessed is the one who meditates day and night on the word of God. Blessed is the one whose delight is the word of God. This simple practice of engaging God's word regularly, God promises will plant the roots of your soul down into the streams of water so that you naturally produce overflow of life, fruit, prosperity. We want to live that way. Yes. I mean, that's part of how my wife and I, I love what she said a couple years ago, is like, we're not burned out, we're burning. Why? Because... We don't try to do anything in ministry that's not just simply overflow. If you're working and striving and creating for other people and it's not overflow, you're doing it on your strength. It's not the power of the Holy Spirit and you will burn out. If you're planted delighting in the Lord, delighting in his law, sending those roots down into the streams of living water, and he's producing fruit, prospering you, then all you have to do when you're ministering is share overflow. Yeah. It might just be a little drop sometimes. That's okay. That's what we're trying to do more and more here in this church is say, hey, just overflow. If you're in a ministry role, just overflow. Because that's also some healthy accountability. If you don't have good news to overflow, what are you sharing in ministry right now? So that's the accountability. The good news is all you got to do is overflow, which comes back to all you got to do is be that child of God who's seeking him throughout your day, your week, your month, and he will be the one who prospers you. And then when you have the responsibility to share it with others, all you got to do is find that genuine overflow of fruit he's producing and share it. Overflow. 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 <laughs> so let me give you an example. Right now with our youth, our middle school and high schoolers, the RISE, who are just doing fantastic. The way that we have challenged our leaders, our youth leaders to minister is simply overflow. So Rachel, right now, is over with the kids, and they are engaging in that Bible study, Holy Spirit-filled Bible study method that is immersion and expectation. And the only preparation that I asked her to do was from the last month of your time in the Word, 
pick a passage, a verse, a passage that God has been ministering to you through where there's some genuine fire, there's some overflow, there's some fruit, there's some enthusiasm, there's some excitement because of how God has been blessing you. Find one from the last month, that's your passage. And we print it out and we take it over with the kids. We trust the Holy Spirit to speak to the kids. And Rachel is now also operating from a place of authority in the Spirit because this verse is ministering to and has ministered to her. So there is Holy Spirit life, fruitfulness, vibrancy. When it gets to her turn to share, all she has to do is say, this is how God blessed me. And now she's overflowing in testimony to the kids. And there's a little revival fire happening among the kids. It's just overflow. Simple overflow. When you choose to root yourself in God's word regularly, it will produce a natural overflow, which is that metron, that tangible, shareable contribution to build others up. So there's two pieces to this of both positive and negative. If you choose to engage God's word regularly for your sake, you will overflow and the body will grow. If you don't regularly engage God's word for your sake, you won't overflow nearly as much and the body won't grow nearly as much. That's the idea of you are the source of revival. You and 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 you. And a little bit of you. When we engage God, now the word isn't the only way, but it is a central way for everyone. Blessed is the one who delights in the word of God and who meditates day and night will prosper in all they do. That's a promise for everyone. Now, this is all in sharp contrast to the consumer culture and what it tells us to expect about church. And we're, though we work hard regularly to not have consumer culture mindset in here, it's, we live in a consumer culture, so we're taught to think this way, and it's infiltrated the church, the church in America, in America, no question whatsoever. But that's where sometimes we need to contrast things. So a consumer culture tells you, here's what you expect about church. Church is merely a place you go so you can just get fed by someone else, and then you leave. I sadly cannot count the number of conversations where people have told me, well, I'm just not getting fed anymore, so it's time for me to move on. <sighs> Be holy right now, Casey, and move on. Here we go. And in a kingdom culture, church is 
Kingdom culture, consumer culture. Kingdom culture is, church is, it's not just a place you go. Church is whenever God's people gather, where two or more gather in my name, I am there. You're having a church service. Wherever, whenever God's people gather, church is happening. Each bring a measurable contribution to share so that they encourage and build each other up. I had a revelation this morning. Real church is a holy potluck. Everybody brings something tasty out of their special recipe and we all get blessed. We don't order takeout here. And I'm not that good a cook, so don't rely on me. Bring grandma's recipes and share them with each other. It kind of works. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't. There isn't a place for teachers and preaching. There is. It's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. Revival's happening in the Acts 2 church. And it says they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to hearing the Word of God, processing it. But they're also devoted to a lot more. They're devoted to worship. They're devoted to each other. They're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to their own Psalm 1 type getting, meditating on God's truth, on God's word, so that it's producing fruit in them and they've got something to bring to the holy potluck. That's a recipe for revival. Even the famous passage about getting fed doesn't mean how it's used all the time. But I'm just not getting fed. Okay, let's check that out. Jesus says this, John 21, 15 to 17. That's the the fed passage. So, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. So Jesus said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? He said to him, Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know I love you. And Jesus said, so feed my sheep. So there it is. Three times. Oh my goodness, Jesus said feed. So we just got to get fed. So let's just check it out. Feed my lambs. The word feed in feed my lambs and feed my sheep is bosco. Very interesting word. It's a good one. It's a shepherding word. While it can mean feed, that's a very narrow understanding. It's more of shepherd. Shepherd them. Herd, it's Literally, to herd together and take out to pasture. Herd them together. So maybe it's a picture of the sheep or in the sheep pen. Got to gather them all up and then take them out to pasture. It also means to tend while grazing. Okay, so just think about those images. Peter's called to herd them together, take them out to pasture. Tend to them while they're grazing. So that's where you have the eye out for in protection. No wolves are coming. You have to use your stick and beat them off if so. Okay. The next one. So that's both feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Interesting. Lambs are the little ones. Jesus starts with them. In a sense, is there a priority? Hey, make sure you don't forget the little ones. Make sure the little ones are prioritized, that they're getting the best. 
That's why I announced earlier, I am so proud of you all and the fantastic and phenomenal people that are serving with our lambs. Tend my sheep. The word tend there is poimino. And this one means... <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> I have these little jokes to go through my head and then like I'm battling for a moment. <laughs> oh, I won that one. Okay, poimano means to shepherd. It means to shepherd. It's not the same thing as feed. To shepherd, to tend, to guide and take care of. The picture that Jesus is calling Peter to as a leader in the new church is the one who reflects the good shepherd. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. To care for God's people, to lead them out to safe and good pasture, here's the key, where they can eat. The picture is not of the shepherd force-feeding the sheep. Sheep have a gut-level instinct, a God-given ability to eat. That's why Psalm 1 says, you, by yourself, will be blessed when you choose to engage God's Word in a way where you are chewing on it. That's what the word meditate means literally, by the way. Chew where you're chewing on it day and night. No one's going, <laughs> you know how to eat. It's in your soul. God created you to connect with him. I absolutely firmly believe, and we're going to get to this, the greatest revelations you will ever have in God's word are by yourself with God. Because he wants to touch an intimate place that I believe will cannot be mediated by anyone. Because it, it cheapens it. Now again, this doesn't mean that there aren't important gifts in the body to teach. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about we have been given the instincts, the holy instincts by God to eat at his table, to eat the word of God, to commune with him through meditating on it day and night. It's for everyone. So the picture is that the sheep know how to eat. So the shepherd's job, in a sense, is to have vision of where there is a good and safe pasture to herd them all together and take them out so the sheep can feed themselves. The shepherd's job, have vision where to go, protection along the way, unity of getting everyone there. Vision, protection, unity, and seeing a good place to eat for what God is doing right now for the hungry people. And then the sheep's job is to eat, feed themselves. The book of Hebrews shares a similar sentiment, and we'll close with this verse. It's an interesting one. It's a, again, I would call it a warning against consumer culture that existed 2,000 years ago, believe it or not. So it's an inherent challenge that we all have to be aware of and fight against. And that's why, you know, as we bring this up, I don't see strongholds of consumer culture taking over this church. I don't. We've been fighting for a long time for kingdom culture. But 
That's where we need to be sober and aware that there is an enemy who's prowling around all the time and we are getting force-fed consumer mindsets every day. So the more we're aware, even in little areas, to say, oh, I need to get rid of that consumer mindset and go kingdom culture here, we're just going to be that much more powerful. So Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 says this. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Hold on to that phrase. To distinguish good from evil. So this is a warning, interestingly, 2,000 years ago against allowing others to feed you too much. He says, you need milk, not solid food. And that's not looking good anymore because you're 14 years old. (laughs) You're still asking for the bottle. You're supposed to be a teacher. Supposed to have a contribution to make, a measurable, tangible something to share that blesses others. And in this case, he's saying, but you don't. You're just stuck on the bottle. That's a consumer mindset, even 2,000 years ago. Just let someone else do it for me instead of me doing what's hard. Because there is effort in chewing food, there is effort in intentionally making space in your mind, heart, and spirit to daily engage God's word so that you're meditating on it day and night. That's effort. You know what it is, though? Like Jesus said, what effort in the kingdom of God, not not trying to strive to take over grace. There is no conflict between grace and effort. Jesus said the hard road is the one that leads to life. And in some ways, that's the consumer check. If it's not hard, it's probably not the kingdom. There is a dying to self. There's an effort that it takes to meditate on the word of God day and night. But what's the result? Prosperity of your soul in everything. (laughs) What's the result here in, in Hebrews 5, 12 to 14? It becomes maturity. So that you don't stay stuck in the infancy stage. I mean, I was laughing to myself. I feel this tendency when we've gone to conferences and like, oh, I got my favorite speaker. You know, it's like, oh, I don't like that guy. He's not my favorite. And we were kind of joking. Like, there it is. It's like, I don't want to chew. You know, just give me the bottle. <laughs> I, I've done that. I do that. I go to a conference and I'm like, oh, man, it's that guy. I got my favorite. Where's my favorite? Okay. Bottle. That's what the Lord convicted me. He really did. I promise you it happened. I'm not just trying to tell a funny story. It happened. And he had to convict me in there. He literally convicted me. He's like, stop that. Like, I have, I have glory in this guy. Yeah, maybe you got to chew a little harder for your personal preferences or he's not as funny or wise or engaging and he's a little quirky or a little weird to you or whatever. Just chew a little bit. I have glory in that speaker. And I I had to humble myself, and I still do to this day, because he's still not my favorite, but opportunities come up, and I have to remember God saying, like, I've got glory in him, and I, through that 
getting rid of the consumer mindset, have been abundantly blessed by this person over and over. And he's still annoying to me, but he blesses the socks off of me because I have to chew a little bit. And that's what they're saying here. Look for the glory. And what's the promise? The promise, Hebrews talks about this hopeful promise of revelation for those who, who make it their intention to move beyond milk and start feeding themselves where they have to chew the solid food. It says that they will become skilled in the word of righteousness. It says this, solid food is for the mature, for those who now have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Listen to that phrase. That's effort. Trained by constant practice. How are people called to move from in infancy in their walks with God to maturity from milk to meat? Trained by constant practice. Chew on your own. It takes practice. It's hard. The first time you have a steak versus the, the bottle of milk, you're like, man, my jaw's tired. I don't like this amount of effort. I want to go back to the bottle. It's a little, it, I'm, it takes effort. And Paul's saying, or the Hebrew writer is saying, that's good. That's what's helping, going to help you move on to maturity. When you're trained by constant practice, that's the same exact thing to me as Psalm 1. It says when we choose to engage God's word by meditating on it day and night, I guarantee you that will take constant practice because our minds meditate on a lot of other things, not the word of God. The bad news that we read, anything we are anxious about is our meditation. It takes constant practice to take every thought captive and submit it to Christ so that we are meditating on the good news of God's word. So that's the effort that God's calling us to so that we will prosper in all things and have overflow to share with our brothers and sisters so that revival happens in the body of Christ as we become more like Jesus. It's a pretty good deal. But let me close with an encouragement. I am 100% convinced, I already said it, I truly believe the heart of God for each and every one of you is this. The greatest revelations you will ever have in the word of God are straight from God to you. Not denigrating teachers. I do it every week. I know there's value to it, but it's because there is an intimacy level between you and God that I believe God wants for you and him that no one else is worthy to be there in that most intimate moment. That God cares about you too much. He doesn't want to have your greatest revelations in life mediated by anybody. Now that doesn't mean that they're not people haven't influenced those revelations or shared a scripture with you or giving you an insight into God's word. That's all great. But when you put that all together and then you go and do what God's word says, which is you, just you, Meditate on God's word day and night. That's not other people involved. You can't possibly meditate on God's word day and night with a bunch of other people. 
Now, you can in part, and that's what life groups are for. It's what communities for. It's what spouses are for. It's what good friends are for. Talk about the Word of God together. You can meditate on the Word of God together. But day and night, that's talking about you and God. I believe absolutely God wants to speak to you in ways that are so personal, so present, so real, so intimate that you can say the greatest revelations of who God is, God saved for those most intimate places with just me and God, where his Holy Spirit spoke in a way of revelation that changed my life, that showed me, revealed to me the character of God, his beauty, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his power, his promises, how you are his beloved child. He is that perfect father. You are one of his, if not his, favorite. He has so much grace and favor upon your life. There's certain levels of intimacy that I feel like your soul should be jealous for that says, I don't want this coming from anybody except directly from me and the whole, between me and the Holy Spirit. Get jealous for those revelations of God. Yes, he wants to use lots of other people and even some annoying people, but... Make that effort to get jealous, to say, I'm made for this. I'm born for this. I'm wired for this. I'm created for this. Whereas I seek your face in your word, you want to intimately be with me, reveal things to me, speak to me that bring my soul alive in a prosperity that I just have to laugh at because it's so good. And then I'm going to overflow to others. And now we're talking about a powerful body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so good. Thank you that you have created each and every single one of us to commune with you, to encounter you in your word. It is not for the special few. It is not for the elite. I break off any lie in Jesus' name right now. Anyone in this building in any way carrying even the tiniest bit or a huge one of a lie that says, oh, I can't encounter God through his word like that person, like that other person. No. Jesus tore the veil so there is equal access to encounters with God for all of his people through the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ and that new creation that you are with the Holy Spirit that is God. So deep cries out to deep. I pray that blessing that you would instill in each and every single one of us that faith that you want to bring intimate, powerful encounter and revelation to each one of us as we seek you in the word. And God, would you put a fire in our belly, a faith in us to believe it, to pursue you through your word day and night. May we train ourselves through constant practice. And thank you that as we do this, it will be a joy. It will be a prosperity of our soul 
that helps us bring revival fire to our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Dance a new dance like David